Another business hit with a ransomware attack. Issues with cybersecurity have shut down yet another Midwestern company. The data breaches put the information of millions at risk. Here to give you peace of mind in an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. This is your weekly tech in. Hello world, this is Patrick Souls, the founder of Soltech Solutions, and welcome to the Weekly Tech In Podcast, where we give you peace of mind working with an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. Breaking news, Microsoft is rolling out a new Teams app as we speak. Uh, my company just got it, I want to say, uh, maybe like 16 hours ago. Yes, it's that breaking. Um, they kind of stealth launched this. We had no idea they were making it, but they have completely um, redone the entire Teams app on all platforms. Um, and <laughs> they are very creative in the name of this new app. It's called New Teams. Um, <laughs> but I, hey, at least you know what it is. So here's what's cool about it. It loads up to 40% faster. Uh, for those of you who use Teams regularly for business, you have it in your startup items when you log into the computer for the first time. Um how many times do you find yourself sitting there twiddling your thumbs, going to make a cup of coffee or something while you wait for teams to load? No more. It literally loads up to 40% faster. I can verify this. I've used it myself. Uh, channels and checks. Oh, excuse me. Channels and chats are available quicker. Uh, so even after it took so long to load before, you'd switch to a chat or a channel and you'd see placeholders while it was waiting for the text to load and then bam, everything would fill in. There's almost none of that now. Um your time to jump into video meetings. Uh, I think the average they had recorded before was something like 12 or 14 seconds. It's a little bit closer to six now, which is fantastic. Uh, the interface still very familiar. So don't freak out. Uh, they haven't dramatically changed it. They did streamline it a little bit, which I appreciate makes it easier to find all the things that you're looking for. Um, but it is, it is still teams and it still looks like teams. It just looks a little bit cleaner. It looks a little bit nicer. Probably my favorite thing though, is that the desktop app for Teams now supports having multiple tenants. What does that mean? Patrick, you're speaking gibberish to us. Uh, well, it means you can have different accounts signed in at the same time. Uh, so if I had Patrick at Soltech.Solutions signed in, I could also have Patrick at Contoso.com also signed in and get notifications for both of those at the same time and, e and quickly and easily switch between them. Uh, that was never a feature before. It's been a feature on the mobile apps for a while, but it was never a feature before for the desktop app. And I especially love that you can be uh, looking at all of the information for one of those accounts and still get notifications for the other account that you're not currently switched to. So that's been super, super cool. Uh, all of this, and it even takes up less space on your computer. I think most of us aren't really worried with how much space Teams was taking up before, but uh, it, it is condensed quite a bit. And that might actually be contributing to how fast it loads, which is a good thing. Uh, and so, yeah, Teams has been completely overhauled on nearly every platform, and that does include Windows, Mac OS, iPad, and iOS, as well as Android. So if you haven't seen the update yet, they're rolling it out slowly. You should see it soon. Uh, you might have to go into whatever respective app store you got it from and hit update to see it. Uh, but yeah, it's great, uh, and hope you enjoy it. Okay, let me paint a picture for you. You're on the airplane. It's just taken off. Uh, you're heading to, I don't know what it is, vacation or maybe a, a business expo or something like that. 
And uh, you're kind of minding your own business when over the intercom comes the voice of the pilot saying, uh, if you haven't turned your cell phones to airplane mode, please do so now. And you that little bead of sweat starts dripping down your forehead. You look around and no one else is pulling out their phones. They've already done it. And you realize it's you. You're the one. And now you have to be the obvious one who has to take out their phone and turn off airplane mode in front of everyone. And it's so embarrassing. That's uh, never happened to you? Oh, yeah. Uh, me neither. Um, so it turns out, I read this recently, I think it's pretty cool, um, that it does actually affect, like, leaving your cell phone on and, and the radios on uh, and in the airplane. No, it's not going to make the airplane crash, uh, obviously. But it does actually do add some interference to the radios that uh, the air uh, pilot will use for communication. Um, and if there's too much of it, it's like constant static. And so that that's when they know someone has their phone not in airplane mode. And so they put that message in over the intercom. Uh, you want to do this anyway because it's going to save you a ton of battery life. And you're not going to get any cell phone signal 30,000 feet up in the air. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, is that how high planes fly? I don't even know, actually. <laughs> I'm not a pilot. Okay, but there are some other use cases for airplane mode uh, when you're not flying. And I've already mentioned one of them. When you're in a situation where you don't need immediate access to your phone uh, and you're not waiting for important calls to come in, uh, airplane mode is actually going to dramatically increase your battery life because it actually it, it completely it doesn't just turn off settings it completely turns off the radios in your phone the radios being the things that connect to cell phone towers and the things that connect to uh wi-fi and uh those take up probably other than maybe your the display of the of the phone those use the most battery life out of everything else on your phone uh, so there's a flip side to that coin. Uh, if you need to charge your phone really, really fast, uh, but you're pressed for time, flip it over into airplane mode before you plug it in and it could charge up to four times faster. Uh, so there's a little life hack for you. Uh, the other advantages to this, um, are kind of, uh, more like an escape, uh, a, a tech fast, if you will, uh, flip on airplane mode to escape from notifications and go through a little digital detox. There are focus modes on most phones, uh, iPhone and Android, that could do the same thing or effectively the same thing. But this is a little bit more uh, emphatic <laughs> in that everything's shut off uh, and you're not tempted to leave on certain notifications or then still play with your phone or that sort of thing. Um, you can also put on airplane mode before important meetings um, to prevent embarrassing moments. Uh, if you're traveling... You're going to, you, you, depending on where you're at in the world or in the country, you could be racking up roaming charges, put on airplane mode while you're traveling. You won't get any roaming charges. So overall you will save data and save money. So, uh, yeah, who knew airplane mode was actually kind of helpful, um, for a, a vast majority of things. I personally use it mostly for the boosting charging speed and saving battery life. Uh, let's be honest. I'm on my phone probably way more than I should be. Uh, but yeah, so even if you're not flying, consider turning it on. So if you're anything like me, you're kind of getting sick of all of the marketing emails for all these different services where they, it does a great, it's a great tool, great piece of software, but then you look at the price and it is X dollars a month and you're like, darn it. At PG-13 podcast, damn it. Uh, I don't want another software as a service 
uh, weighing down my my budget, another thing I have to pay for every month. And okay, maybe I'm not quite that grumpy about it, but I do kind of feel a way. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, but here's the thing: software as a service, or SaaS, as you might hear it, um, which I think is <laughs> a really funny way to pronounce that. Um, love it, love it or hate it, it's sticking around. It's a marketing model that has proven to work, and it's not going anywhere. So. Uh, things to be wary of, not monitoring your various subscriptions will eat up your budget so fast. So make sure you are documenting um, with your bookkeeper or whoever all of the softwares as a service that you currently subscribe to. And every time you sign up for a new one or every time a price changes, you you make note of it. Have it written down somewhere so that you can be aware of that every time you go to budget. Um Another problem is transitioning from one vendor to another that does the same thing can be a pain in the butt. Um, I'm thinking specifically things like moving from Google Workspace to Microsoft 365 or vice versa. Uh, Or if you've got virtual machine subscriptions on Azure and you're moving them to Amazon Web Services, those kinds of things. It's not exactly easy to cut off one and then move everything over to another. Um, And then obviously the amount of money that you pay over time for all of these things really, really adds up. Uh, and then the, probably the biggest problem is most of them are internet dependent. So if you don't have internet, if you're in a traveling situation where you don't have good internet or you have a situation where your internet goes out in your area, then you're paying for something you can't even use at the time. So those are the bad. That's the bad stuff. But, but, capital B-U-T, there is... There's a light at the end of this tunnel. There are good things about it. Uh, it's not just good for the people selling it to us. It can be good for us too. Um, and part of that is actually that it can overall decrease your IT overhead. Um, it's it, We're moving from... Uh, it's why the marketing model works. Moving from paying hundreds of dollars for a piece of software... And then having to shell out that hundreds of dollars again every time there's an update to that software to you pay a tenth of the price, if that, uh, every month and you always have the latest version. Um, Microsoft Office being the the big easy example, we, we can all remember when we'd get uh, Microsoft Office for school or for work and it would be like $200 at a discount. And you're like, where's the discount coming from? What, <laughs> where, what is this normally cost? And they wouldn't even tell you. Uh, so now you can get it for as little as like ten bucks a month. Um, so that's that is less than a tenth of the price, and uh, you always have the latest version. So initially, it's much cheaper, which is great for small businesses, startups, and that sort of thing. Uh, looking at software as a service uh, in in all of its forms, not just Office. Uh, or Microsoft Office specifically, um, it's it's much easier in smaller businesses to to buy in, right? Uh, and then it gives you a lot of accessibility and convenience. Usually software as a service is cloud-based, so uh, there's a way to access it from most other devices other than your main computer, working computer, whatever it is. Um, and it's easily scalable for those small businesses when they do end up growing, because you don't have to, again, you don't have to buy that $200 package, software package. When you hire a new employee, you just go into whatever admin panel is available for that software and you add that user, you pay the extra license fee a month, and it's done. It's it's 
uh, connected and you have it available. So very easy to scale it. Uh, and it's actually because they are cloud-based typically, that's great for collaboration and integration. Uh, speaking from an IT provider standpoint, it makes security and compliance an absolute breeze. That used to be such a headache before. Now it's incredibly easy. And while yes, it all adds up over time and can put a damper on your budget, at least it is budgetable. You know how much it costs, and it's not likely to change. And when it does change, you typically know about it beforehand. It's not like you're using this software package and then out of nowhere you get notified, hey, this is out of date. You need to upgrade to the latest version. By the way, here's a 10% off coupon and it's still $500. Um, and you didn't plan for that. You weren't aware of it and you didn't budget for it. Where at least with software as a service, you know it's coming. You know it's... Uh, it's a fixed fee and you know you're going to pay for it. And in fact, most of the times you're paying a month ahead of time. Um, so it's easy to cancel when you don't want it anymore if you need to get that little budget item back. So yeah, uh, as an IT service provider, I'm a fan of fixed fee situations. We've talked about it before and that continues in the realm of software as a service. So if you, like me, have had frustrations with it before, Take a step back, look at how well it's benefiting you and and the nice things about it. And if you are one of those who have put off uh, buying into software as a service because you don't want an, another subscription, consider that there are many benefits to it other than um, not having to buy the software all at once. Well, that's all I have for you this week. If you have any questions about what you heard in today's episode, or if you have questions you'd like answered in a future episode, please feel free to reach out seriously by emailing questions at soltech.solutions. And until then, thank you for listening. This is Patrick, logging out. <laughs>